But I felt impressed to talk about the need for all of us to be ready for whatever God's got. For whatever is coming our way in the future. I am distressed, I guess I could say, by hearing seemingly more often recently than before the number of people that have been godly, used of God, anointed by God in Christian ministry, and then for whatever reason, leaving the ministry. Recently I ran across some statistics that said approximately 1,400 pastors leave the ministry every month in the United States. Now that's across a variety of denominations and independent groups. Another statistic that only about 10% of those that have been in ministry a long time in their life ever leave the ministry via retirement directly from the ministry. When they reach retirement age, only about 10% of them are still ministering at that time. That 90% at some point whether it be one year, two year, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, have left the ministry before they reach the age of retirement. I don't know about you, but that's troubling. And then to make the matters worse, we hear about well-known individuals like worship leaders that have been highly anointed in effective ministry, suddenly losing their faith and saying, I'm no longer a Christian. Pastors doing the same. Authors of books. Contemporary Christian musicians. Suddenly, after years and years and years, I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't believe that way anymore. And just suddenly quit and walk off. Why is that? Why does that happen? Well, I believe there are several things that are causing it, and I'm going to give you four of them today. Matthew chapter 24, if you have your Bible there, or it'll be up on the screen. Deception is a big deal. The scriptures say in Matthew 24, 4 and 5, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. That deception, he said, is going to be a big deal in the last days. Now my personal opinion, and I believe it's based on scripture, is that we are living in the last of the last days. I think the last days actually started on the day of Pentecost when Peter quoted the prophet Joel, when he said that in the last days, God would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, which He did at Pentecost. I think that's the start of the last days. Well, if that's true, we're 2,000 years almost past that, so we must be getting close to the last of the last days. 
And he said, at that time, deception is going to be rampant. In verse 11, he said, there will be false prophets who will rise up and deceive many. Verse 24, false Christ, false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect or chosen ones. Deception is rampant in our day. It is everywhere. Let's look at another passage in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 12 and 13 has this to say, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. How is it possible to be deceived? How is it possible for believers, leaders, and those who should be strong in faith Confident in God's promises, how is it possible for them to be deceived? Well, let me back up a step. It's possible for anyone to be deceived with the right deception. One thing that might deceive one person might not deceive another person. Because that person may be weak in that area and the deception may more easily affect them, where somebody else might be strong in that particular area, yet weak in another one. So there are many different ways that a person could be deceived. But there are some basic things that would apply to all. And they are this. If you want to be deception-proof, proved, then you need to be strong in the Word of God. You need to know, A, who God is. You need to know who you are in Him, that you are born again, you're a child of God, and you are regularly, consistently immersing yourself in the Word of God. You need to know it, you need to know it, you need to know it. Over and over and over again. You need to know who He is and who you are and who you are in Jesus Christ and who He is in you. He is Lord. He's Savior. He's King. He's Ruler. And so on. We need to know Him theologically. Yes, we need to know the Scriptures. But we need to know Him experientially as well. And as that word we heard earlier, It's not a matter of how you feel. You don't know God by your feelings. You know God by the promises of His Word that you have experienced. Alright, did you see the difference? It's one thing to know a fact. It's another thing to have a feeling. But when you marry the fact of the Word of God with the feeling that the Holy Spirit gives experientially then you've got something that will keep you in times of stress and strife, persecution, and temptation. So, deception is a big deal. First Timothy, second thing is a big deal, is stressful times we're living in. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, The Spirit speaks expressly. That then in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits 
and doctrines of devils. Stressful times. We are living in stressful times. The last days are stressful and you are going to experience even greater than what you and I know about today. Let me tell you, they're coming. They're coming. They're on the way. It's stressful to keep up with this microphone. (laughs) Stressful times are coming. Persecutions are coming. So we live in America. We don't get have persecutions. Just hang on. They're on the way. They're on the way. That's why you and I need to be ready and be prepared to deal with it when they come. And they may come in ways that we have not planned on. 2 Timothy chapter 3 again. Look in verses 1 through 5. Know this, that in the last days, King James says perilous times, and the word that's translated perilous is also stressful. That stressful times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, deceivers, or despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's a whole list of people outside the church and perhaps some even in the church. Notice he wrote this to his disciple, Timothy, who was an evangelist initially, but later became a worker with the apostles. He was on Paul's team, actually. Stressful times. Well, how are you going to handle stress? Well, know this. Your physical body has been created by God to handle a certain amount of stress. Your body is created, it creates all sorts of enzymes, hormones, and chemicals to cause you to be able to function under temporarily stressful times. It's never created by God to endure heavy stress all the time. All right? So what am I going to do about it? I can't change this, can't change that, can't change the other. No, but there is something you can do about it. There is something you can do about it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all of your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. That you can do anytime. And everyone can do that from the youngest to the oldest. You know, a lot of times we do not cause the stress. Perhaps there are some stresses that we do cause ourselves. But situation, circumstance, people may cause you stress. But you know, I've learned about myself, I get stressed out when I try to carry the burden that I wasn't designed to carry. Let me say that again. I get stressed out, maybe you too, 
when we try to carry things that we weren't designed to carry. So what am I going to do? Cast, roll off of you. That's what it means to cast. It means to roll it off. Roll it off of you. Roll it onto the Lord because He's already carried it. He has already provided the solution for it. Why should I carry something that He's already carried and taken care of? I shouldn't. But the more I do that, the more I get stressed out. Now what will happen to you if you don't cast your cares on the Lord is you come to a point in time in your experience, the the heavier the load gets, it gets heavier, 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 and heavier. To pretty soon, A, the mind, B, the emotions, or C, the body, all have a collapse. They have a crisis of one type of the other. And then you pay the price of carrying burdens that you didn't need to carry. You know, God's Word gives us the answer to a lot of things in life. But you know, we have to know what the answer is, and B, we have to appropriate and walk in that answer. If we don't, the fact that the Bible's got the answer won't help you a bit. Right? You could have a bookshelf full of Bibles and nothing in any of them will do you any good until you know it and appropriate it. And then those promises in there will work for you. Jesus becomes more real and you start seeing it. So what do we need to do in stressful times? Cast your burden on the Lord. Cast your cares on Him. Roll it off of you and roll it on Him. And He will take care of it. See, that's too simple. You know, God, in our thinking, is very complicated, but when He deals with us, He deals with us rather straightforward. Why? Because He knows that's how He has to deal with us. That's why we're called sheep. So, you know, we need to read, we need to appropriate, we need to act on what Scripture says. And third, why do people fall away and and, and give in to the circumstances? The third thing is shallow understanding of the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Paul said to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be instant, in season, be ready, in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers who will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Young Timothy, what are you going to do? He said... Declare the Word of God. Declare the Word of God. I read a lot of books, but I don't watch much Christian television anymore. Why? Because they're about that deep. 
They're just about that deep. Most of everyone I've seen in recent years, you know, they could say what they what good stuff they actually said in a 30-minute program could probably be said in about two and a half minutes. I'm talking about really good stuff. And the rest of it, you got to listen to all the other stuff to get to the two and a half minutes worth of nuggets. So that's not worth my time. I just don't listen to them. But I do like to read this. Shallow understanding of the word. One of the contemporary Christian artists that several years ago, he came out with a lot of good music and there was one song I really liked of his. But uh, And I, I had seen him on various programs and concerts, uh, watched them later. Not that I attended them, but I watched them later and, and it was very good. But when he was about 60 years old, and this happened about six or seven years ago, he declared at the Metropolitan Community Church in Indianapolis that he was leaving his wife and his four children, and he had now came came out of the closet as a homosexual. And he said he felt like that was God's will. He's 60 years old at the time. He said since he was eight years old, he had discovered that he was a homosexual. And now it was time for him to tell everybody, the world and everybody else, of his lifestyle change. But he made a statement when he was telling this. He said, I decided after 52 years, to quit resisting the way God made me. When I read that shortly after he made that announcement, I said, okay, there's somebody's music I won't listen to anymore. Because he doesn't know what the Word of God says. Do you know, I also read just a few weeks ago that there are a lot of universities and colleges now when a student goes in and fills out the application and it asks, you know, name and, and uh, gender, that there are eight possible identities they can check. One of eight. Well, I read even years ago that some psychologist had come up with the idea that there are actually 63 I said, hmm. I went back to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and I found a scripture that said when God created Adam and Eve, He made them A, male, B, female. He didn't say eight different things. He didn't say 63 different things. He said two. So when this fellow says, I quit resisting the way God made me, I respond to this. God didn't make him that way. Those were some bad choices that he made. Sometimes preaching like that is out of season. You know, I've learned after 54 years, if you preach something that's out of season, you may be shot. (laughs) 
or harassed or get dirty emails. Let it be. I believe this is the authority. I don't think anything that contradicts this ought to be acceptable. Now, it may not be pleasant. It may not be something we enjoy hearing about, particularly if it hits close to home. But truth is truth. And you know, Paul, he he said something to some leaders in the Corinthian church, and he kind of rebuked them because they were handling the Word of God deceitfully, he said. Now, that's what I believe happens lots of times when we try try to make the Word of God fit what our lifestyle is or what we want it to say. That's handling it deceitfully. But if we will let it say and believe what it says and act accordingly, then that's truth. But notice she said, be prepared in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with patience and teaching. For the time will come when they, people you're preaching to, the church, will not endure sound doctrine or teaching or truth. For they will have itching ears and they will heap up for themselves teachers that they will turn their ears away from truth and be turned to fables. Number four reason I believe that people fall and move out away from truth and God is fear. Fear is going to be a big deal in the last days. Luke chapter 21, verse 26 said, Men's hearts failing them for fear and for the expectation of things that are coming. Men's heart failing them for fear by looking at things, seeing things that they can see is coming. It's about to happen. And they're fearful of it. You know, fear is a result of not knowing the future in some cases. You know, a child may be fearful. There's a, there's a monster under my bed. There's a monster in the closet. Well, somewhere he's been watching movies about monsters probably or heard stories about it and he doesn't know much about it and so he believes it's a reality. And he's afraid. Or, let's talk to us who are a little bit older than that and that is fear of the future. You know, what's it going to be like in five years, ten years, twenty years? What's it going to be like when your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, what's the world going to be like for them? And you become afraid of it. Let me tell you this. Fear is an open door presented by the devil. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound, disciplined mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 So what can you do about it if you have a lot of fear? Well, the Bible says in 1 John that perfect or perfected love casts out fear. Fear is basically having faith in the wrong thing. 
Fear is basically believing what you've heard or seen and accepting it as reality instead of taking the Word of God as ultimate reality. That's what fear is. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And any time fear comes your way, and it's going to come if it hasn't, and I'm talking about in a big way. And when it does, you just declare what the promises of God say. Number one, fear of the devil comes from the devil. Fear of circumstances come from the devil. Fear of some circumstances is because we haven't renewed our mind with the word sufficiently. Say, so, well, how do I get delivered? Well, you build your, your belief system on what the promises of God say. Build up your faith in the promises of God. Start declaring what the promises of God say in that situation. Maybe a thought comes and you let the thought stay there. Pretty soon you think on it and think on it. And it's a negative thought. And you just keep thinking on it until you start believing it. Until pretty soon after you start believing it, it will start coming out of your mouth. And you know what you've just done? You just opened the door to the devil to come in and put more of it. I've told this here before, but I'll tell it again because it fits so well. When we first got spirit-filled back in 1967, it wasn't long after that we found out about demons. Before that, uh, the figment of somebody's imagination. That's about all we thought about it. But we started seeing that they were real and people were being demonized and reacting in all sorts of ways. And so we started dealing with that so much and got so involved, so deeply involved that I got very fearful. This was over 50 years ago before Debbie and I got married. And I would not go to sleep at night with all the lights off because I'd had some experiences with demons manifesting in a tangible way that you could see with your eyeballs. Not to what, what you felt, but what you could literally see. And I didn't want one of those critters attacking me. So I left the light on. And then... One day I was reading Psalm 91 and I saw the promises. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, and it goes on and on and on and on. So every night I would read that two or three times. I will have to glue this to my head. I would... Take this Bible, open it up to Psalm 91, lay it on my chest and go to sleep. Now, you know, I found out something. The written word will not penetrate through your clothes and your chest and do you any good. 
You got to have it up here, in here, and believing it in your spirit. But I did it. And it helped, but it didn't fix the problem. So one night, I, had done, I didn't have anything scheduled that night. I was, I was in Bible college at the time. And my mom and dad were going someplace. And I knew I had the house and by myself. I said, okay, this is the night. I'm going to deal with that fear. I'd been contemplating this for some time. That, you know, you just got to confront it. When you run from the devil, he'll chase you. But there comes a time when you've got to stop running, turn around, and face him. Now, that's not pleasant, but it's necessary. said, okay, tonight is the night. So I went in the house and turned off all the lights. I'd lived there long enough. I knew where all the furniture was so I could walk around in the dark without killing myself. So I started declaring. I started Psalm 91. And I did Psalm 23. And I did every other scripture I could think of about who I am in Christ and the promises of God and Satan is a liar, he's a deceiver, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing. And I started declaring it. And then finally I got down to fear. And I started rebuking fear in the name of Jesus. You have no part in me. You are not a part of my life. God has not given me a spirit of fear. But He's given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I have love flowing over in me. And the Bible says, love cast out fear. I have a sound, disciplined mind. Therefore, there's no place in there for fear. And I said, okay, devil, you just might as well go ahead and leave me alone. Because if you don't, I'll be doing this for days to come. I will not quit. I must have done that for a couple hours. And suddenly I could fear, feel peace. Okay. It's all right. I've still been tempted to fear on a few occasions. But every time that I feel tempted to fear, you know what I do? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. He who dwells under the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He covers you with His feathers, and under His wings you will trust. And declare the word. You know what I discovered? It'll leave quick. It leaves quick. Every, at least five days a week, I come in early here to do my devotions and prayer time for a couple hours. And I only turn on enough lights out there down the hallway just enough to see and I walk and pray here I don't know a year or so back we had somebody that was very upset at the church and made some threats about what he was going to do and I remember one of the mornings I think it was a Monday morning 
that I came in to do my prayer time, and I was thinking about some of those threats. And I was, I was thinking about it, you know, I opened, opened up the door, and of course all the lights are off, and I could, I could feel a sense of, what if there's somebody in there ready to hit me over the head with something? No, sir! I don't believe that for a minute. That's how you handle that. No, 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 no. The Word of God says, I will not be afraid. So pretty soon, I get so bold, I say, where are you, devil? Bring it on. (laughs) My point is, you don't have to accept fear as a reality. And we need to get over that because in the latter days, that's going to be magnified many times. Only a partial knowledge of God also allows fear. Not knowing the future and not knowing enough of God and His Word to know how to use the promises of God against that. So my challenge to us today is this. Are you right with God? Deception in your life? Heavy stress? A lack of understanding of the Word or a shallow understanding of the Word or fear? Now there's other things that we could say, but that's enough to get the point across. Are you right with God? Secondly, are you ready to live for Him when times get difficult? In the middle, well, the 60s, late 50s, early 60s, 70s, and even 80s, some of the European countries were suffering greatly, Christians were, under communism. This fellow by the name of Richard Wormbrand, you may have heard of him, he wrote the book Tortured for Christ. And uh, he has a magazine now out about martyrs. He spent 14 years in a communist prison because he refused to deny his faith. Now let me tell you, that wasn't like a jail cell downtown Louisville. That was hard labor getting beaten at least once or twice a week. Spent 14 years there. Lots of Christians were killed, lots of pastors were killed, persecuted, killed, beaten. Houses burned, children separated from parents. A lot of not good things happened. But they had a word for that. If you gave, if you gave your physical life and you continue to stand for Christ, you call that person a martyr. What do you call a person who doesn't or who hasn't had to give his physical life for Christ, but he lives for Christ, keeps standing in the truth, even though he's severely persecuted. Well, those group of Christians 
invented a use of the word martyr. They said this, that person is a living martyr. Because see, normally, historically, we think of a murderer as somebody who gives his life for Christ. Well, what about even under persecution and difficult times, you recognize what we just sang? This morning, we sang part of the Ephesians passage. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A living martyr is somebody who hasn't had to die for Christ, but who is needed to live for Christ. That's a living martyr. So are you prepared... Are you ready to live for Him through difficult times? Because they're coming. About two weeks ago, I got a phone call one day. And this lady that I happen to know, she's not a member of this church, but I happen to know her. She said, I'm real disturbed. I've been reading some books. I've been watching TV programs about the end times and I'm real disturbed she said can you tell me that the things the Bible talks about the end times can you please tell me that they're not true they're not going to happen (laughs) you know what I told her No, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. I said, I do not know what you've heard, but it may be worse than that. (laughs) They're coming. She said, well, you're no help. I said, if you listen to me, I am. See, if you can't stop what's coming, you can be prepared for what's coming. There are some people that are in in the pathway of this hurricane that's going up the East Coast. So far, they haven't been able to stop it, but they can be prepared for it. So if you can't stop what's about to happen in the end time, you can at least be prepared for it, to deal with it. And having done all to stand, stand. You keep standing on truth, the Word of God. So... Are you right with God? Are you prepared to live for Him as someone who is a child of God doing His will on planet Earth? Which is it? You know, it doesn't take forever to get right with God. In a matter of a few seconds... You can get right with God in a few seconds. Because it starts with a decision. Starts with a decision that you make. You make a decision in the soul realm. I want Jesus Christ as my Lord. I choose Him. I choose to follow Him. 
and in the process of making that choice, you're turning from living one way to living the other way, which is called repentance. Whether you actually use the word I repent or not is immaterial. It's the decision you make that you carry out that proves you've repented. So you can repent pretty quick. Now, to prepare to live for Him, you're going to have to get in the Word of God. Learn His voice. Learn His voice. What is He saying? What's He saying to me? Let's pray. Father, I pray for every one of us here in this place today. I pray, Lord, that You will minister to each one of us right where we need ministry. I pray, O Lord, that You will do Your work in us. I believe that You desire to do a work in us. I believe that You want us to continue to be children of God, sons and daughters of God, servants of God, who will live for you regardless of what may be in the future. We don't know all the future, but we know you. And you do. So Father, I pray that over us today.